AM 630 The Word is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you will get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of our AM 630 The Word Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Marcus Burgos. Thank you and welcome once again to the Church of San Antonio program right here on AM 630 The Word. I am so happy to be able to bring this program to you. And like I say uh, most weeks, I love, love the national preachers and teachers. They travel the country and the world and they preach the gospel. They touch lives uh, and, and they go on to the next city, next country. But there's something so special in my heart for that man, for that woman that preaches, that touches lives, that teach, and then they stay in the city. They stay here, and we bump into them at HEB, and we bump into them in, in, when we're taking our kids to school. And, and we call them when our kids are sick and when we're having issues. And I thank God that we have men and women that roll up their sleeves, and they're right here in our beautiful city of San Antonio. And, and they're here with us. And, and this program is dedicated to them, is dedicated to putting a spotlight on our churches, the churches that are in San Antonio, and this being the Church of the Week. I have, I have a, a, a gentleman with us today that I'm so happy that he, I was able to convince him to come back into the studio. You know him very well. His pastor, Steve Branson of Village Parkway Baptist Church. And Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm glad to be with you again. It is such an honor. You know, one of the things that uh, in, in my Bible reading I have been looking into um, and maybe maybe when I say what book, people get a, may get a little bit nervous. But in the book of Revelations, we won't go into uh, all the stuff there. Very interesting. But at the beginning of the book, where where he is, God is addressing the angel of the church. And just yesterday, I was reading chapter two, and is talking to the church of Ephesus. He says, "I love what you do. You're you're awesome." You know, he gives them kind of kind of a, a, a thumbs up, and he says, "But this one thing." You know, you have lost your first love. Sometimes, uh, I, don't, I don't say sometimes, but maybe it's very easy for us to be distracted with the things of this world. There's so much going on in the news, so much going on in, in, at any moment in our lives that, that it, it can become a distraction. And we get busy with process. We get busy with strategies even. We get busy with different things that are, that are coming to us. And, and as, as pastors, we are charged uh, with leading. And if we forget and we lose focus, I think we need an Ephesus moment where we're saying, you know what? You're right, God. I need to go back to the basics. I need to love you. I need to love the people. And there's so many other things to do. And we are very busy. But there's something about that. If I feel like if God had to put that in the Bible, then it is worth repeating for us. And so today, as you're listening, as you're driving all around San Antonio, 410, 21, 1604, wherever you may be, I want to remind you and I want to challenge you. Hold on to that first love. Hold on to that, that moment. Even, even if you need to remember that moment that you had so many years ago, and you and it was an emotional moment or it was just that aha moment remember that hold on to that and don't lose it because losing it could take you into another area and so today we are here with a with a man that 
uh, in my opinion, has not lost it. <laughs> he is focused. He ha- and, and if anybody is busy, let me tell you, Steve Branson is busy. And so I want to thank God once again. Steve, tell me, tell me a little bit about that moment in your life. I know you preach a lot. You travel a lot. Every, every time I see you, you tell me where you just came from and where you're going. You are a busy man. But how was that moment when, when you felt the calling, when you felt God touch your heart? How was that for you? Well, I was in church when I was five days old. <laughs> My right. mom and dad went to church all the time. And back in the old days of church, and I'm going back now a long time, we were there every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, every revival, and they would be two-week revivals. That's right. Vacation Bible school, two-week revival, two-week vacation Bible schools. We were there for choir practices. We were there for teachers' meeting. Uh, I had to go up when Dad went to deacons' meetings. So we literally lived at the church. I either as a kid growing up was in church, at home, school, or on the baseball field. There you go. And that's where life was growing up in Orange, Texas during those days. So I was very well churched. Yeah. And I was baptized in a Baptist church at the age of seven. Now, that didn't do much good for me during that time frame. I got <laughs> baptized because during a revival service, my best friend went down front, uh-huh. and I didn't want to be left behind. There you so go. So I went down and got baptized with him. And I was always a good kid. Uh, you couldn't really get in trouble in southeast Texas in those days. I guess you could, but most of us, small towns, uh, parents would tell on you if yeah. you were somewhere you shouldn't be. So we pretty much all walked the line. And so we were either playing ball or swimming in the rivers. And so that's pretty much life as a kid growing up. But my dad wanted me to go to the University of Texas. Yeah. And so I became a Texas Longhorn in mm-hmm. 1971 and attended a couple of years at UT. Uh, I left my Christianity at home, mm-hmm. the church. Mm-hmm. Now, I joined a Baptist church in Hyde Park Baptist in Austin my first Sunday in Austin because I'm being a good Baptist knew that they would send a letter to my home church and my mom and dad would be at business meeting and they would see their son had joined the church and that would look good and that would ease their mind. So I joined and never went back. That was the only time except when they visited one time at UT campus. I joined a fraternity, and I got Pledge of the Year. You don't get Pledge of the Year by being a good guy. So I wasn't real bad, but I wasn't good. Yeah. And I just never had much to do with church thereafter for right. two years. I mainly just enjoyed a, a biblical word, carousing, yeah. partying around, playing intramural sports, occasionally studying. <laughs> and I had been a, uh, I had a high average in high school, did well, won the national math test. But by the end of my sophomore year, I was failing college. Wow. So I thought my problem was I'm just a long way from home. So if I move home with my friends and go to Lamar University, life would get better. Well, it didn't. It got worse. Yeah. In fact, I, when you don't have Christ in your life and you're just living the way everybody else is with the influences, especially in college life, I, I just proceeded. My grades got worse. The partying became worse. There were just some things I don't like to go much into mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget a friend of mine named Ed Wright. We were going on a trip together. I was asked to go with the First Baptist Church of Orange and be a sponsor at a college thing. Now, I had no right being a sponsor. Uh, I mean, I wasn't even close. To the, I don't know why the church invited me except I grew up in it. So they asked me to go with them. Yeah. And I just went for the free trip and the free ride. And so my friend Ed Wright who's now vice president of a university up in Vermont, very devout follower of Christ, on a, a Winnebago trip to New Mexico, 
asked me about my faith in Christ, and I blew him off. I know all that stuff. I grew up with it. Mm-hmm. Well, he shared the gospel with me, and it made me a little mad that he wasted his time and effort to do that with me that day. But we got out to Gloria, New Mexico, and I don't even know who was preaching that night. Don't even remember what was said, but for at the end of that, suddenly everything that I'd ever heard in church clicked. Yeah. The Spirit of God made it real that day. And it was August the 13th of 1974, just before my 21st birthday, that I finally realized who Jesus Christ was. It wasn't a Damascus Road moment, but Mm -hmm. it was a very special moment. I still remember it just clicked. God made me alive. It began to make sense. And so that started a process. Now, I got back, thought about baptism, because as a Baptist, baptism comes after profession of faith, not right. before it. Right. And so I've been baptized as a child, but no meaning to it. But my parents said, no, you were a Christian when you were young. You're just getting kind of rededicated your life. <clears throat> but it was later I came to realize <clears throat> that's when I accepted Christ. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment that began to change. Uh, it began to affect me. I quit the fraternities. I joined the Baptist Student Union. I suddenly went to church again. I joined a singles group and always thought, Church single groups were some of the nerdiest, sorriest people <laughs> in the world. And suddenly I found friends there, yeah. found life, and it began to process. And uh, I, I went to Houston. I went, uh, graduated college and went to Houston and got management at Kroger. Uh, was, in fact, was being assigned my first store when I began to realize that God was calling me to do something more than be in business. Right. And so that's it was during that time frame that I began to understand better my salvation in Christ and a call that was beginning to happen in my life. Let me let me interrupt you because you're 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 going into this so so quickly and and I I, I just I think and and maybe go into it for me on on how it was for you uh, that that moment uh, it it seems to me that that moment was prepared by many other moments. In other words, the Bible talks about how we should raise up a child, right, and teach him in the ways so that when he grows up, he will not depart from it. And so, you know, that, I'm paraphrasing a little bit there. But was was that, do you, do you say that that was kind of your experience and that moment happened because of the seed that was planted years before? Oh, was, there were tons of factors involved in that moment. Um, it is. I was, I was raised well. Mm-hmm. I had a good family. I was very fortunate. My mom and dad loved each other. I mean, they were they were married for 50-some-odd years before mom passed away. And I, there was never a moment in time that I did not know my parents truly loved each other. Right. Uh, I had two brothers. Um, we My parents later adopted my sister. It was a very difficult time frame when she came in the family. Um, but we had a great home life, and church was a critical part of it. Right. So I had the, I knew the Bible verses, mm-hmm. I knew the songs, and all that, but I didn't have a relationship with Christ. And so I never forget, even after I accepted Christ, and I came back to my home church to visit one time, I, I, I was leaving church with my dad, and we were walking out, and I said, when did Dr. Waters become such a good preacher? <laughs> and my dad chuckled, as you are, and said he's always been one of the best preachers in Southeast Texas. You're just now waking up there to realize that. So I go. knew all the stuff, but it never struck my heart. So uh, the providence of God in bringing Ed into my life, yeah. and we've stayed close friends all of these years. Uh, we, When we're both facing difficulty in ministry, 40-something years later, we still talk to each other. We'll check on each other's grandkids. But I, I see God's providence that brought him into Lamar University at that strategic moment. And you got to look at the church. 
nobody in their right mind would have asked me to be a sponsor. That's right. They could have gotten in trouble for asking me to be a sponsor, uh, but God made all that happen. In fact, side note, I was a magician during those days. (laughs) A magician. And I I had won honors with that and was doing shows all over Texas, Louisiana, everything like that. And my grandfather worked for Blackstone, the great famous magician. Wow. And my grandfather would never teach me, but that summer said, you come to Georgia, I will... I will teach you all my skills. And so I was scheduled to go to Georgia instead of Gloria to New Mexico. When my grandmother called and says, your grandfather's sick. He said, we need to delay the trip. And so I had to cancel the trip. And the next day I get a call to go to Gloria to New Mexico on a trip. And I would have never taken that because I wanted so much to learn my grandfather's skills and never got a chance. He died shortly thereafter because of that. So I see God's hand in several things. So all it's a preparation that. of all of life. Yeah. It's God at providence at work, using people in my lives, circumstances, and then his spirit opening my eyes to be able to see the truth. You know, the way the way I see it, as as you're talking, I see I I remember, you know, in, in the Bible it talks about how God formed Adam. You know, he reached down and with his hand he didn't just speak him, he went down and and formed him from the from the dust of the earth, and then I could I could in my mind's eye see Adam laying there, done, finished. All the processes are done. All the systems are in place. You know, all the different things that need to happen are there. But he was just laying there until that moment that he breathed. He breathed life, and so there was so much already in you that was already in place there was teachings there was there was bible in you there was word until that moment where there was that breath and the light turned on and and then all these things begin to make wow. sense and now you think man this when did he learn how to preach so good that's a great story i love that and and you and your pastor will preach better if your lights will be turned on that's <laughs> probably true so rather than complain about your pastor's preaching uh you know, let, I, we'll, we'll let saved. that sink in. It helps to get saved. <laughs> so, so uh, we're here at AM six thirty, the Word, and we are enjoying Church of the Week today with Senior Pastor uh, Steve Branson. He is the pastor of Village Parkway Baptist Church, and Village Parkway is on three thousand two Village Parkway, right there on Village Parkway and Culebra Road. And so we were talking about, okay, Pastor, what? landmark can I give them, but the church is the landmark for that entire area. Yeah, it's the biggest building on Calabria and the steeple. You can see it exactly. from a couple miles away. In fact, if you turn on 410 onto Calabria, you're going to look like as you go about a mile up the road that the church is right in the middle of the road from a distance. That's how big it is. So you can't miss it. Culebra leads to Village Parkway Church. Directly. <laughs> and so we're, I'm, again, so happy to to have you here, Pastor. Now, let's let's switch over to church a little bit. Um, how long have you have you been at Village Parkway? I've uh, been 42 years in the ministry. I'm finishing 25 years at Village Parkway in February. So you must be doing something right. Uh, they, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, let me, I, I'll tell a, a story. I was at Spring Lake Baptist Church, a little town of 122 people. Wow. We'd run 100 in worship, 70 in Sunday school. It was my first pastorate. And after a couple of years there, I got a call from Sugar Creek Baptist Church in Sugarland, Texas, which ran a couple 3,000, mm-hmm. wanted to talk to me about being their pastor. Now, I'd made national news because of something I'd done there, and I got rural pastor of the year in the Southern Baptist Convention. So I'd done fairly well to begin with there. But to go from running 100 mm-hmm. to a few thousand, 
Now, I was excited about it because that would be a dream of a young guy that, boy, I can step up the big time quickly. And they began to interview me over a several-week period, and I even asked one day, do you know where I'm at? You know, <laughs> uh, They had more in the choir than I had in worship. Yeah. And, stuff. <laughs> and he said, yes, David was the least likely guy to be king, and God's uh, call, and I like that answer. Yeah. But after a few weeks, they backed off. And so when they backed off, I really wasn't surprised. You don't hire a young man in a small church to step into a mega church. But I found out that in Baptist life, we have a called director of missions, executive directors oversee us areas of, of Texas. And he had one who'd got me rural past the year and some other things. He had shot me down to be the pastor of that church. Mm-hmm. And I got wind of that. So I called Dr. Bradley and said, that true? He said, yes. I said, why? He said, that's not a conversation with the phone. You come over to Plainview. Let's go to lunch. I'll explain to you why I did it. So we went over there. And he said, I, tur- I had you shot down for a reason. Son, you don't understand the intertwining of interpersonal relationships in a large church. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he said, that's why you don't need to be there. Exactly. I now understand. That's a whole other story. But he told me this. You continue pastoring Spring Lake for a couple more years. You're doing a good job. Then when you're ready to do something a little bit more, you go to a church runs about 150. Right. Pastor that for a while. You want to do something bigger? Go to two to 300. Then after several years, he said, but after several years, you'll take it from running a couple hundred to five or 600. Mm-hmm. But he says, after a few years, you want to make a church, and now you'll be prepared to be able to handle the difficulties and all that's involved in that. But you may wake up after a while and realize, this is where I need to be and spend 25 years. That's what I've ended up doing exactly. I did not realize that day when he gave me advice, that's what I would follow. But I fell in love with Village and being in San Antonio. And so when I came early, it was a couple hundred in attendance. We were deep in debt. But we got out of debt in a very dramatic way by the year 203. And so I'm now finishing 25 years. We run five, 600 every Sunday in worship, and I enjoy the privilege to be pastor. And I know my people. I know them. I've been around them. And it's, it's a blast to be able to do that. What a sometimes there are there are doors that close, you know, and uh, we always pray for the open door. Our, our prayer requests are always t- they tend to be that Lord open the door, Lord make a way, Lord give me this raise, give me this job, and and sometimes it would make sense from here, standing here where we are looking back, that jumping from a from a hundred or so to several thousand. Probably it had at least the potential to turn you away from ministry. It's a different animal. Yes, when you're, when you're talking from most that young difference. men that jump that if they don't grow the church, they jump into one that big. Mm-hmm. Usually lose their jobs, right? Because there really is that intertwining of interpersonal relationships. You don't know all the different fingers of how things are all tied together and who likes who and who doesn't like who and all that are involved in that. And the bigger your church, the more isolated you are from your people, yeah. and you don't know who's out there and you don't understand. So you, you, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And you and I, you know, Paul, after he came to Christ, didn't start doing his major work for a while. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. spent 14 years in preparation. That's right. And we also think, you know, I, I, I could if I go to the mega church, I can have an influence not always. Not always, that's right. I have found that mega church pastors don't always have as much influence, especially when it comes to cultural issues. That's right. But say using me as an example, staying 25 years at Village, 
I've been asked to speak at Oxford University twice. I've been a professor for Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary for 20 years. I, I was part of a group that started Life Choices Medical Clinic. That's right. That no one ever imagined where we are today, seeing 6,000 women. Uh, the governor's office was just down recently and spent five hours at our clinic over by Ingram Mall because we're taking care of poor women and providing services, not only pregnancy but full medical care, and we're doing it for free. Uh, we use Texas Healthy Women. You may use Medicare, uh, but we don't charge them anything. Right. And we are caring for the women who are being left aside by the, the evils of life right. and have nowhere else to go. I, you could, I've never fathomed. I've been chairman of the board for years now. I would have never fathomed this possibility, and I couldn't have done this anywhere else other than where I'm at. Uh, I get to go to Cuba twice a year now. It's because of my pastorate at Village Parkway that that opens, and I am providing the president of Havana Seminary the ability to get his Ph.D., and I am also training him and his people, uh, his professors and his students, and I do that twice a year. I built a great relationship with them. So sometimes we think if I get up to the big thing, I could really do something. You may do your greatest work there. And you say, well, what if people don't get to know me? Don't worry about who gets to know you. Don't know you. Sometimes you're going to be finding yourself in the middle of the storm on a national like I did recently, and you're going to wish nobody knew who you were. That's right. But so I've just learned you stay faithful where God puts you. You love your people and watch ministry expand and accomplish things you never dreamed were even possible. And that's I couldn't have done that if I had been hopping around. That's right. You, that's right. I, I tell young – when I teach a seminary, I tell the young guys, go find a place and stay. And stay there. Build your family. Build a home base for your family. This going from church to church to church, you don't learn how to handle mm-hmm. life. You don't learn to face the difficulties of life. There's that, one more important ahead. thing that you are doing that I want to get to uh, before before we, we end the program. Uh, there's a there's a first happening pretty soon, or or has just happened uh, at your church. Talk to me about the, the about that Sunday night service. This was not even on our radar. Again, the province of God brings things. You're talking about praying for open and closed doors. We weren't praying for any of this, but this door <laughs> was handed to us, and we're walking through it. Uh, this Sunday evening uh, will be the first uh, official meeting. They've been meeting in homes for a while of the Arabic Baptist. Church of San Antonio. Riyad Safadi is the pastor. It'll be the whole service will be in Arabic wow. with Arabic music. And they're going to be meeting at Village Parkway Sunday evening. Right now, uh, the official time is not scheduled, but it'll be anywhere between five and six. But you can go to our website later in the week and be able to find if you're and interested. And the website it's is VPBC, Village Parkway Baptist, VPBC.net. And you'll be able to find information about it. But it's an amazing work. Uh, uh, Ryed is uh, from Jordan. Uh, his government just rem- uh, made him leave the country because yeah. he was such a powerful and effective communicator of the gospel and was having such an impact on the Arabs there in Jordan, which is a Muslim country, right. that they asked him to leave. In fact, really didn't ask him. He f- pretty much fled to get out of there wow. before he went to prison. I am amazed by this young man. And so... Uh, Mark Pfeiffer made the connection with mm-hmm. us. Also, Alejandro Ortiz, who's on my staff, who's one of the great uh, missionaries in Africa of all time, they are all partnering together to make this happen. We have already 25 or 30 in the in their group already worshiping. Now, they worship with us on Sunday morning at Village Parkway in my, yeah. in my service, but they're going to come back on Sunday nights. And in the next few weeks and months ahead, there will be several interesting ministries that Village will be starting because of this group. 
will probably be offer, offering Arabic classes to mm-hmm. help those who are from the Middle East who do not want to, who want their children to keep their languages. Yes, uh, this group will be providing classes. So there's several things like that that will be unfolding in the days ahead. So, but we're excited. It, it's this the first Arabic church in San Antonio in that San we're Antonio. aware of. Right. But it's the first Arabic Baptist church for certain. And so it's growing into your yeah. building pretty much. You know, something that, Pastor, that comes to my mind as I hear you speak, and uh, you're not a stranger to, to KSLR and to the radio. You, are, you have a program here, and we appreciate your program. But something that I, that, I, that I hear in my heart, Psalms 1 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And that planting is, is so important because if you're bouncing all around, then you, you can't get anything good out of here or there, you know. But there's something to be said, and the Bible says it. He will be planted and planted by the river. Two, two objects that really do not move from where they're at. You know, stay where you're at. If you're at a church, stay there. Appreciate your pastor. And, I, Pastor, I want to give you one opportunity as, as, as time is up. Uh, would you quickly invite San Antonio to come to church on Sunday and join you there? Listen, we really would love to have you join us at Village Parkway Baptist Church. Our first service starts at 930. It's our contemporary service with a praise band. Our second service is more of a traditional. We have full orchestra, choir, and uh, do a little bit of an older type of worship service for that one. That starts at 1050, and then again, this starting this Sunday, I'll say around 6 o'clock, we'll be starting our Arabic uh, worship service, and it'll be completely and totally in Arabic. I'll have trouble understanding it, but those <laughs> who are there will fully understand all that is going on. But you're welcome to join us at Village Parkway. We'd love to have you come be a part of all that God's doing within our midst. Thank you, San Antonio. God bless you. This is your host, Marcus Burgos, and we will see you again next week. God bless. Thank you for joining us today as we featured our AM630 The Word Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you got a chance to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you'd like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at am630theword.com.